Welcome to What Comes Next Live. I'm your host, Tom McCallum. I'm passionate about leadership and all of that means. And I'm always inspired by listening to the thoughts of our guests who are leaders that I meet. Today's a slightly special show because my guest scheduled for today um, fell ill a little bit with her two young daughters. Uh, she assures me it's a back-to-school bug in Scotland, in Edinburgh, but it's not actually anything that begins with the C word, uh, the one that we care about right now. So I reached out to a group who are supporting a wonderful gentleman called Ben Bravin with the idea of genie shares. And the first person, the leaders go first, so the first person who stepped up was my guest today, David McLean. Um, and with the minimum of intro, David... Perhaps tell me your linkage to that group, and but then more importantly, tell us all about yourself, and then we'll get into a conversation around your thoughts on what comes next. Sure, um, uh, and thank you very much for having me on. I appreciate it. And uh, yes, so um, first of all, Ben will be pleased with this, get a little bit of um, exposure in, in terms of Genesia. So G Ben is a fantastic guy. I've known him for a little while. He's a former Royal Marine like I am, which I'll explain in a minute a bit more about. Um, Genie Shares uh, is a group of entrepreneurs uh, in the main um, who who want to, who are willing to start to give a little bit back, um, who want to level the playing fields, uh, if you like, uh, and, and allow people, uh, the unsung heroes of the world, um, in, in the UK enemy specifically, um, to to be able to, to win a little bit uh, as well. So the basis of it is, generally speaking, although everybody can do their own thing, the basis of it is is that we have all pledged um, 1% at least of our business or 1% of earnings in a year, some people, but I've pledged 1% of my business to a deserving individual. That individual is still to be picked and to be chosen. Um, but for me, in terms of what I do, which I'll explain in a minute, but mental health, mental well-being, it'll be someone within that space. So, it's, for example, can we help the NHS workers, um, the ones that are, are not getting so well paid, for example, can we help them out and, and really um, help them financially, but also look to create change within them, within their lives, and, and, and create legacies uh, as well in different areas. For example, one of my friends, one of my good friends, Adam Granger, um, he is pledging 1%. He does a lot of his work in Canary Wharf, uh, and of course Tower Hamlets surrounds that, and it certainly doesn't have any of the wealth, as he always says it. The only way that people are going to get into Canary Wharf, the people who surround that, who live there, is if they're cleaning the building, unfortunately, generally yeah. speaking. So it's really to be able to give something back to the people who, who, who help and who are surrounding areas and, and create a legacy in, in that way particularly. And that's how we know each other, obviously, and uh, that's a little bit about Genie Shares. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, throwing my own part around that, I met, similarly met uh, Ben several years ago um, at Level 39. And in fact, the virtual background I normally use for these shows, but there's a story behind the one I'm using now, but maybe that's for another day. Um, is actually a picture I took from the amazing coffee shop at level 39. Um, so that's what's on all the other shows. Um, it's the, I first talked to Ben about the idea that then became Genie Shares around this thing that was really bugging him about entrepreneurs with the definition of entrepreneurs being around a business and building a business. There's other definitions of entrepreneurialism. As my friend, uh, a mutual Scot like you and I, Chris Vanderkyle talked about last week. And, but it's really around, for Ben, it was around this phrase, social license to operate. So it's less, perhaps for me, it's less about giving back, but it's about um, having people feel they belong with the word entrepreneurialism. 
So yeah. the the idea, I, I particularly love the idea of, and it worked definitely for different people, I particularly love the idea of 1% of equity because then they can understand what it means to be an equity holder. They can be part of the conversation. They're a shareholder. You can include them in meetings. You can give them the shareholder packs and they can start understanding what it means. So they can feel like they belong in that world, whereas otherwise you're right. Some of the most impoverished postcodes in the UK are right by Canary Wharf underneath that building, which has level 39 in it. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. just that's just that that piece. And I've been inspired by the idea. And I love the fact that it just sometimes one tiny change can make all the difference for an entrepreneur. And the idea that uh, seems to have pivoted is the idea of the those shares going to essential workers. Yeah, um, that that seems to have suddenly cascaded from a slow burn to there's just a queue of people waiting to be announced and released as the Genie Shares contributors. Yeah, absolutely. And having people at Google now backing us efficiently and Salesforce uh, mm-hmm. makes a big difference. Fantastic. So that's that's uh, a plug for uh, Genie Shares. Uh, <laughs> but ta- yeah. now let's talk a wee bit about um, David. Tell us about yeah. your background and what drives you. Sure. Yes. Yeah. So former Royal Marines, I mentioned there, um, Afghanistan for you know a few times uh, operationally. Went to war, so to speak, four times uh, around the world. Worked um, MI5, MI6, Special Forces, etc. Had a fantastic time, but uh, and it was really great. You know, something I really wanted to do. And then in 2012, eight, eight, nine years ago, roughly, I suppose, um, when I left, I really started to come into owner. About ten, about ten years ago, really, is when I started to kind of think right. There's more, I mean, a lot of people, obviously, what I did in the Marines and, and what it's part of, the elite force that it is, you know, it's a pretty special place. But I always thought, particularly towards the end, that, that I was, there was more to me. There was more. I should be doing something different. I didn't really know what that was. So I knew it was to do with people. Um, I knew it was interesting. People was interested in psychology and interested in helping people. So I picked up a book on Freud, Sigmund Freud, of course, that's what you do when you don't know anything else. Um, read that and started to get an understanding uh, of, of what was going on and started to get a much more of a flavour and, and, and a feeling in that. Um, and it's from that really 10 years ago that I've, the kind of journey, if you like, the J-Word already is out. The journey that's taken me to, to where I am today and, and what the business's mission is. Um, and helping people, helping create leaders, of course, helping to create change within uh, people's lives. So uh, it started with... Uh, degree in psychology, uh, sorry, working in psychology or studying psychology, um, moving through becoming a psychotherapist, um, running that business for self-soul trader for a while, seeing that the changes that I was making firsthand, and for those of the viewers particularly or yourself who know about psychology, it wasn't a psychoanalytical, psychodynamic viewpoint, the kind of traditional um, genre or Freud, uh, it was very much positive psychology, solution focused. Where are we going, not where have we been? Uh, if you like, there is a, there is a, a level, a, a point for that, but it's very much about CBT. It's not CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, but it allows people to know where we're going. So, um, and, and, uh, actually the, as I always can boast about it, the, the, the therapeutic understanding that I was given, it was absolutely gold dust. I say I can boast because it wasn't mine uh, in those days. Um, I'll have developed it now. A blend of solution-focused um, processing, um, evolutionary psychology, positive psychology, behavioral psychology, and neuroscience, which really gives an understanding um, of how, who people are, 
why they, they behave in the way that they do, and of course, importantly, what to do about it. And this is very, very important, never more important in our, my life anyway, particularly the pandemic and what's going on at the moment and where are we going to go, et cetera, the, you know, the, kind of the main question that we have. So um, therapy <clears throat> became a senior lecturer, um, psychotherapy, ran that training school for three years, became the chief executive of the association that I was part of, um, about 5,000 therapists that I looked after. Um, and uh, and then I started to kind of my ambitious uh, hat come back on again and thought right I need to take this a bit more commercially uh, because it's about helping people and ultimately to the point where we are today um, the, the mission of my business which is to facilitate lasting positive change within 100 million lives across the world mm-hmm. and uh, I, I believe the, the pandemic of course or the, what it's brought to us um, but in terms of the if we can take the positives from it it were really at a turning point uh, in society. We can go into the metaphysical, spiritual aspect of that, if you want to, the philosophical aspect of that, in terms of transcending the ego. But really, and on the basis of it, people want different things. People want to change, and people need answers. And, and actually, you know, part of going on about what comes next is, what are the answers? Where are they? Do we have them yet? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll talk about that more, of course, as we go on, in my opinion on that. Um, but yeah, that's where I am at the moment. That's where the business is. Uh, things are changing. I have good contracts with multinationals, um, uh, multinational insurers. Um, so things are going well. But, but I was moving my business a little bit more online anyway. And that certainly happened a lot more because of what's going on. People still want to meet face to face, but things are changing. So, um, so that's where we are at the moment. Very cool. And it's, um, as you, as it says in your bio, uh, you've got plenty to be getting on with if you have this uh, yeah. intention to facilitate lasting change for 100 million lives. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to be getting on with. I had a really interesting conversation yesterday with a fascinating guy I met through Twitter called Julian Summerhays. And I've been, you know, that happens on Twitter. You follow people back and forth. Mm-hmm. And we actually got into a conversation on Zoom yesterday because he said, I don't believe in leadership. Right. And it was a provocative, it was a great provocation. We had a great conversation. He said we could talk about the sort of, uh, words used with like trans, transcendental and spiritual, this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I guess from your, I think without touching on it, I could imagine you were in some very intense moments in your active military service. Yeah. Um, you then can link that into the people side and the deep understanding you've built around how human beings tick. Um, <clears throat> Uh, I guess my own viewpoint is that command and control leadership is fine in crisis situations, but as it says on my homepage, um, the age, that age is over, right? It, it's, it, what does it mean to be a leader is very different. Um, but rather me like give my spiel, I'm interested in what, what you would think. So when yeah. you talk about building leaders, you mentioned earlier, and if we link the positive change, um, into leadership, uh, leadership can be one person self-leading. Um, and understanding themselves very Socratically. Um, but what's your thought around, if I kind of guide it a bit, what comes next around leadership? What do we need to see that's different yeah. that will help um, facilitate positive change for millions of people? Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great question. Um, and I agree with you in terms of, of leadership in crisis, you know, people just stand up and, and that, because we're, we're in a crisis, of course, uh, and, and the leadership is doing the best that they can. And without being political, you know, whatever colour anyone is, it's listening to this. 
Um, I think they're doing pretty well, but they don't have answers either. Mm-hmm. They don't have the answers, but we turn to people, we turn to expect answers from people. Um, but in terms of leadership, generally speaking, I agree with yourself. I believe that everyone is a leader, and that's what I want to speak about today. It's about developing that within themselves. Um, and then everybody, change happens as individuals. You know, whether you listen to the best theologians or, or scientists, whatever it is, there's that common thing that we need to become a better version of ourselves. And mm-hmm. that's where leadership comes. And it, it's a, again, it's a strong point, but... Uh, we're all victims to an extent. Mm-hmm. We're all on this kind of, from a psychological point of view, we have this kind of victimization. Why me? What's happening? Why does this happen? What, what, what's going on in the world? You know, why, why do I feel like this? Um, and, you know, we often think of victims as those poor men and women that are sitting on the, on the streets that have lost their jobs or people, you know, whatever it is, have lost their houses. And, and I get that and I completely agree with that. But who else is finding that kind of victim? Who else is sitting today saying, well, who's helping me out here? Who's making the decisions? Why is the government not sorting me out? That loan was okay, but it's not enough. You know, that we're always looking to others. And of course, we need um, support from other people. But it's actually vitally important that we develop that skill within ourselves. And that's what I want to talk about a bit more as, as we go on. Develop that, that, what is leadership actually? What actually is that? You know, it's not, as you see, leadership of the sergeant major or the colonel standing at the front of the, of the, of the thousand men and saying we're going to war. You know, that's one level of leadership, obviously. Um, but I'm talking about the leadership within an individual. What does that mean and how does that come about? And what's, what's involved in that as an individual to become a better version of yourself? Mm-hmm. And importantly, what is it that stops that uh, right. as well? Right. Um, fire away. Fire away. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So how are we going to start? So what is it that stops people? In the first place, what is it that stops people being themselves? So generally, the first and foremost thing that I remember doing a, a survey not that long. Well, it was actually quite a little while ago. In fact, it was before lockdown now, so it was a little while ago. Um, a, a reasonably large survey, uh, and I, and something like eight, no, ninety-five percent of the people I asked the question or what's the effect of, what's the one thing that's stopping you from being a better version of you? What's the one thing we could put in brackets, being the leader that you, you want to be in your own life? Yeah. And the, the answer was fear. Mm-hmm. It was different levels of fear. It was fear of, or sorry, different thoughts around fear. It was fear of what other people might think, fear of failure, fear of, of ability, you know, all sorts of different things. But it was always round about fear. Mm-hmm. And fear is a very normal, natural thing that we have within ourselves. And of course, um, fear drives anxiety, it drives uh, anger, it drives frustration, it drives um, all sorts of kind of things that, that don't allow us to be ourselves so much. And, and it stops us from making good decisions uh, as well. And now fear is at the very, very top, but actually we've got a sliding scale there as well. And at the other end of the scale is procrastination. So we've got that kind of, oh, I know, let's put it into the, the, the business context of are people um, making the right decisions in their business? Are people making the right decisions as entrepreneurs? Are there people making the right decisions in their, in their jobs? Are people doing the right things in government? Are people doing the right things uh, in public services, whatever they are? Are they, are they held back? Do they know they should be making the decision? Do they know that they should be leading themselves into a different area, into doing something different? Um, yes. 
often they do, but something's holding them back. And it can be anything on that sliding scale from, oh, I'll do it tomorrow because it's a difficult decision. Or, well, let's hopefully, hopefully other people will, will um, help me out, kind of that victim aspect. Um, you know, we'll wait to see what the government do, are doing about it. All the way up to crippling fear uh, and stopping us uh, making um, the choices that we should be making in terms of being that leader. You know, because what, what is leadership? What am I trying to say here? Taking control of your own destiny. Mm-hmm. Making sure that you do the things that you need to do. Making sure that you take the steps necessary and you don't rely on anyone else. Now, of course, um, I get it that we all need that at times, and I certainly have um, that support. But it's about seeing that the, the reasons that are holding us back, and of course we'll talk about what we can do about it, the reasons that are holding us back, and it's, 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 it's all in the brain, it's all the scientific thing, it's all the mind, it's all the, the ego, um, actually, but just stopping us making the decisions, or taking the decisions that we need to, we need to take to, um, to, to be able to have the courage to move to that point of, well, what's going to come next? What am I going to do to make sure that something comes next? Mm-hmm. So if I, um, <clears throat> What I've noticed and since I've started the show at the beginning of the summer is some of the guests I've brought on work in related spaces to me. And it's almost like a fly. It can easily become a fly in the wall conversation about what are people who are pretty informed about how human beings tick, whether they're coaching, psychologists, whichever. What would they talk about when there's nobody else in the room? So um, I guess, A, I'd like to do that a bit. And the other thing, so people can be a fly in the wall if they if they watch this now or later. But also to challenge you a bit, because if you make the assumption that people listening and the moment that your audience you're focusing on is one and there's a few people be watching live and a lot more will watch later, um, is I know all of this and they know all of this. Right. So I could look at I'm, I'm just going to give you a bit of a hard time with two Scots together. I can do that. Absolutely. But what if so my favorite book is Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. Yeah, fantastic. Okay. Yeah. And as a, some, I look at a commonality between certain forms of, of psychotherapy and coaching as being what you refer to as being solutions focused or forward looking mm-hmm. rather than, you know, finding closure in the past, et cetera, which is highly clinically valuable um, to release things. But actually, it's like, where are we now and where do we move forwards? And then the last piece to me is the Cartman drama triangle. So which you know, you'll, you'll know of. So it's that moving from, uh, and the, the other one I quite like is the flip of that, the empowerment dynamic, otherwise known as TD. So you flip from being that victim and the sort of victim, persecutor, rescuer piece. So I, so you could get very, very deep and, um, into the core of what it means to be human here. Um, I guess what I, what I'm in, curious to hear is when you talk about everyone being a leader and that, that, that part of it, and saying, you know, where are you now? How do you move forwards? Uh, from your experience and where you are and what you've learned, what specific things do you see that perhaps others don't see? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so um, I've coached hundreds of people individually um, mm-hmm. and worked with companies and, and all sorts. Um, so I have, yeah, I have a good understanding. I've, I've worked with enough people to do that. And this before I start, actually, interestingly, I'd like to challenge you on the, the um, delving into the past is, in commas, highly clinically valuable. 
I would also challenge you that on that as well and say that there is benefit to it, but I wouldn't say it was necessarily highly clinical valuable, but we can talk about that in a minute if you want. Uh, <laughs> got some time. Um, so there's a saying that I really enjoy and that I've used for years. Change is simple. It's just not necessarily an easy thing to do. Yeah. It's, not, it's not difficult. Let's just use weights because obesity is a problem in the UK. Virtually everybody knows how to lose weight. We just exercise, and of course there's always some people that can, and I get all that, there's hormonal issues, or et cetera, but generally speaking, if we eat less and exercise more, then we're going to lose weight for the general proportion of society. But it doesn't happen, and everybody knows that. Mm-hmm. So it's a very, very simple thing. Mm-hmm. It's a very simple thing to be able to lead yourself when I explain this, but it's, it's not necessarily an easy thing to do. And why is it not an easy thing to do? Well, the fear can be in there in the first place that you can be already the heightened areas again in terms of the brain. You could be working from the lower regions of the brain, the, the primitive emotional part of the brain, the amygdala could be firing off, blah, 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 all that good stuff. And, um, you know, so in other words, you're not making the rational decisions that you want to make. But let's just say that you are, a, like most people watching this, I'm sure, are fine, they're doing well, they're a six or seven out of ten, if you like, or any or nine out of ten. Um, they're functioning well, they're doing well, they're holding down a good job, but they're still not doing what they want to do. They're still not making the changes that they want to make. And you say, why is that? Hmm. So there's a few points that I often lecture on, a few points that I talk about. Right. So the evolution response, understanding what's going on in the brain, understanding that consciously we have one or two actions a second when we're aware of the conversation that we're having here. Subconsciously, unconsciously, there's about 40,000 actions happen every second. Wow. So the whole brain is working automatically, virtually. All we, we have, we're habitual creatures. We are habits. So whatever habits that we have, they will continue to run on. That's a good job. It does that because it means we don't need to relearn to ride our bikes, to drive our cars, to touch type, to eat, to, mm-hmm. to whatever it is that we're doing. But of course, when we're in that place, when we're not feeling so good, um, and then things, of course, we can have problems and we can start to not be in that good space, yeah. etc. So it's vitally important that we recognize positive thinking and, and that we only, we only think through, sorry, a very small amount uh, of what we have, of what we're actively doing every day. Mm-hmm. And subconsciously, um, it, that habitual behavior that we are not aware of is going on and on and on mm-hmm. and on and on. So whatever habits you have, even though the ones you don't want to be, if you're wanting to create change, those habits are still going on, still going on and on and on. So kind of related to that as well, another sort of issue that we have, it's very simple to change. We recognize that. But if our brain's not working the way we want to, if we've got that habitual behavior going the way that it is, then it's not going to allow us to move on. It's not going to allow us to, to, to make those changes. And we're kind of sitting here as the intellectual animals that we are with these one or two actions saying, I don't know why I'm not changing. I don't know why I'm not making the, the right choices. I don't know why I'm not leading myself. I don't know why I'm not doing that. And the analogy I use is imagine you're at a football stadium, a rugby stadium, or whatever, and the, the home fans are there, and there's 40,000 fans, and there's a couple of away fans come in. Who's going to have the loudest voice in the singing? You yeah. know, you're never going to hear those two away fans, if you like. They're never going to be drowned out. You're never going to shout loud enough, mm-hmm. if you like. And it's the same in the brain. You're never going to be able to out 
out shout or out, right. out move your, your subconscious brain uh, and it's a good job that we can't do that so that habitual behaviour is there for a reason, it's good and it's bad um, uh, or it's, it's neither but it, it can be good or bad uh, if you like so it's important to recognise that to begin with Mm-hmm. We also have an area in the brain, the hippocampus, in which we can call this a little stress bucket, if you like. Mm-hmm. And the more and more that our stress bucket fills up, and what happens is the more that the primitive emotional part of the brain will act. So our stress bucket fills up with overthinking, overworrying, overanalyzing. And of course, pandemics will throw and shove big bits into our bucket. Mm-hmm. The premise is an empty stress bucket makes us be um, make good decisions, be able to to lead ourselves to do whatever we need to do. And a full bucket means that our brain is in a overload and we're not making the right decisions. Right. And so the more and more we're worrying about things, the more and more we're, we're looking at things, the more our bucket will fill up and the, the less chance we will have of making good decisions, okay. if you like. So again, uh, change is very simple. We can see it simple. We can see it consciously it's simple, but we've got our brain that's been going doing whatever the habits it's been doing, which are not the good ones that we want them to do, so it's difficult to change. We might be getting worried and anxious about that as well a little bit, so our bucket's filling up, so we're even having less chance uh, of, of moving it forward, uh, if you like, uh, as well. So that's the bad news. What do we do about it? Yeah. Um, so from an evolutionary point of view, Mm-hmm. We, we, we think that it's, we always want quick fixes. We yeah. always want things done. All human nature, we kind of want it done. We want that quick fix. We want things better. But what we have to recognize is that change takes a little bit of time. It takes a little bit of time to get things moving, to get things going in the right direction. So what we need to do is we need to do what we've been doing since day one. And this is when the evolutionary psychological point comes in. Early man and early women will be doing certain things to protect themselves to, you know, cavemen, cave women doing certain different things to make sure they survive as, a, as we survive as a species. Hunting and gathering, looking after each other as a tribe, always better for um, looking after each other, obviously, in, in the or safety, sorry, as a tribe rather than an individual. Yeah. And all these things were rewarded. In those days, 100,000 years ago, whatever, we had no idea what these rewards were, but they felt good, so we did them again. We now know what these rewards are because we've got something called neuroscience. And it's the things that make sure we ensure our survival. It's the things that allow us to be doing things and to be continuing to move forward. And it's various neurotransmitters that we produce within ourselves that allow us to be that person and has allowed us to make those decisions that we need to make. And, of course, the most important one is serotonin. So mm-hmm. we reproduce a constant flow of serotonin. We become happy. We're able to cope with things. We're able to gain courage. We're able to do the things. So we know what we shouldn't be doing. We know why things are happening. But now we need to start to do these things. And I call it the three Ps. Positive thinking, physical activity, and positive interaction. So it's doing exactly what we've been doing since year dot um, in terms of survival, in terms of moving forward. Um, our ancestors looked after each other, and we need to do the same, hunting and gathering. And we don't need to throw spears and chase after animals anymore, thankfully. But we still need to do the same things in principle. Thinking positively, positive interaction with other people and physical activity. That creates a change in yourself that helps that bucket to be emptied. It creates a change in the brain. It creates chemical changes, allows you to work from the the higher regions of the brain, which allows you to focus on what you want to do 
and being that person and it ultimately allows you to make the correct decisions because you're, you're seeing things for what they are you're putting it into perspective you've got the confidence as well to be able to make the decisions and, and do what you need to do and also there's all the point I like to uh, make as well in terms of small changes or, or marginal gains again nothing you I'm guessing to, to the listeners or to the viewers um, but it's highly important that you recognise that and you recognise these small changes because we all want that quick fix. Yeah. We all want that. And that's what the dopamine rush is. Again, we might, that's why we eat cream buns uh, or, or want to go and get Chinese takeaways or we want to have that glass of wine or whatever it is. Because it makes us feel better. It gives us that spike in how we're feeling. But we want to be able to get, to make sure that we make those incremental changes in terms of serotonin production. So, so small changes, etc., are very good. But if you if you are um, going to run for a sorry train for a marathon you've never run before, you're going to start small and you're going to expect that you're going to build it up. And it's the same in terms of changing within ourselves, uh, becoming that leader again and take away not that point in terms of a leader as not leading people to war or you say leading people in a crisis. I mean, being able to be that leader, that personal leader within yourself and, mm-hmm. and, and being that person that you, that you need to be. And then the final point is repetition. Mm-hmm. Repetition is boring. It's not fun. But if you want to be, to make the changes within yourself, then you need to repeat it. You need to keep going in that direction and making those changes and making those changes and, uh, and pushing forward in that direction. Cool. So. I mean, just to try to capture what I picked up, you've got this spectrum between fear and procrastination mm. um, and this lovely language that change is simple, but it's not necessarily easy. Yeah. Um, so what gets in the way? And I, I imagine a visual where you've got um, simple, but not easy. And in the middle is this word called fear. Um, and you, this is around awareness. So a lot of the education you're doing is around helping people be aware and perhaps to release judgment and go, there's nothing wrong with them. They're just humans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and the 40,000 um, home fans drown out the two away fans. Yeah. So your three P's were positive thinking, physical activity and positive interactions. And a couple of those tips are around small, repeatable changes, marginal gains, repetition. I'll say that again, repetition. Um, the, I guess, uh, uh, closing, uh, question for you to get some advice from you would be um, as we are this language easing out of lockdown but we're still in a place where people's identities have been threatened they don't know who they are anymore and it's, it's really um, fills the stress bucket for all of us if we're really honest to a certain degree more than of course, before of course. Um, and some will struggle more than others but one or two specific tips that you've developed over the last five months uh, that are relevant today um, that you would highlight to people that they can do? Yeah. So first and foremost, give yourself a break. Um, 100%. It sounds like an easy, again, this is the thing, this is not rocket science. Nothing I teach is rocket science. Um, you must, must give yourself a break. And, and, and I work in other groups as well, and, uh, and we do a live every week. Uh, and it's, it's the shame that is around about this. There's this ridiculous level of shame. Okay, I'm talking about business owners, but it can be anyone or, you know, failure and things like this. Even when you run a successful business and, and the pandemic's come on and you've done nothing about it, this awful level of personal guilt and shame, which is complete and utter nonsense. So hopefully just a slight touch 
on the evolutionary response and what we've talked about today that at least gives people an understanding there that I remember in my days when I was learning to become a, a psychotherapist when it hit me and thought there's no need to be fearful there's no need to 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 feel guilty but this this is an evolutionary response yeah so really really give yourself a break uh, and, and and allow yourself to um to to be okay um so by by giving yourself a break I'm going to translate the English from British English to international English mm. and you you while it is incredibly relevant you're not specifically saying take some time out take a break no. but you're saying forgive yourself Internationally, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Forgive yourself, exactly. Give yourself a break, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you said there was a second one. There's a yeah. second thought you had. And the second one is basically telling yourself a different story. Um, okay. Tell the different story. It's the it's the the the, the premise of the solution focused way. Um, and of course, it's nothing new because Socrates has been telling us that was telling us that two and a half thousand years ago, nearly. Um, make the old model obsolete and focus on what you do want. Tell the story of where you're going and where you want to go. Belief is important because you tell that story and you don't believe it, then of course you're just going to go back to square one. So tell that realistic and very common story. Tell that story of where you want to go and how things are moving, what actually is working well in your life, um, and you can't do anything but become a better version, become a stronger version of yourself. Fantastic. So I'm conscious uh, of uh, running over time a little bit, and I will reflect to you that you believe in yourself. All right, You've got a very strong sense of purpose as to where you're going. Um, it's entrepreneurial. And something I will often talk to leaders about is how, how you show up. That's the self-leadership piece. Um, so I'm very uh, enthused and feel energized by, by listening to you. Uh, you. Where can people find you online? Yes. So um, I run a feel good community online uh, on Facebook um, and a, the B2C work that I do is, is I have B2C and B2B. The B2C is, is a feel good uh, drmgroup.co.uk. So, but DRM Group uh, is my business. Okay. Um, Delta Romeo Mike uh, Group, uh, obviously the website there, or there's Feel Good, which is the, the, the sorry, the, the consumer led one, uh, okay. if you like, which is programs and things like that. On so drmgroup.co.uk, David McLean. Um, and I certainly feel good from talking to you. <laughs> thank so, you. Um, thank you. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you.